Welcome. You're about to hear another Grandpa Hill true health story about Sandy and her seizures. Today, after Mass, I met a man, Tim. I told him about Grandpa Hill's true stories. And his question was, actually of his whole family, what motivated me? If you listen to the story so far, you know part of the answer to Tim's question. In one of the stories I've told, a man prayed with me, and the result was sharing and a wonderful turnaround for my daughter that had that torticollis. Then there was the lady I used to work with. She shared her grief with me, and I shared my opinion. That was in the story of why did I say that about her baby. I was moved to tell her that her baby had not died as thought. As it turned out, her baby was alive, and she encouraged me to never quit sharing myself and my experiences with others, no matter how uncomfortable or out of place it may seem. But Tim hadn't listened to any of those stories, and he didn't know about the podcast. I decided to answer his question with a story, Grandpa Hill's true health story about Sandy and her seizures. I was to talk with Dean about his wife's seizures. I am not a doctor by any means, just a good thinker. I do a lot of thinking about epilepsy because my wife has epilepsy. Being a good problem solver and critical thinker, I think that I can, with the grace given me by my maker, that I can actually bring about a cure to my wife's epilepsy. In this true story, Bernadette, my daughter-in-law's mother, was at a family gathering, and I was at that family gathering too, and with 22 grandchildren, sometimes, like, I don't always remember if it was a birthday or a baptism, but in this case, I think it was a birthday party, and she told me about Sandy. That would be Dean's wife. She was having seizures. Because she was having seizures, and Dean was facing tough decisions about how to care for Sandy, Bernadette thought I needed to talk to Dean. Well, I didn't talk to Dean right away. The case for Sandy looked very bleak. I was told she started having seizures. Then it went downhill from there. She was now facing long-term nursing home care not recognizing much, not speaking, and not aware or understanding what was going on. She was essentially bedridden. To make everything a bit worse, it was during COVID, and Dean couldn't be with her in the care facility. Then there was another family gathering, and again, Bernadette urged me to talk to Dean. 
I agreed to talk to Dean. I really didn't know how this was going to go. But I also knew I'd better talk to Dean. Dean and I met at a square dance in Salzburg, Pennsylvania, out on a farm. I got to hear Sandy's story. She had started to seize. She was incontinent when she seized. Then her cognition became limited. She was basically out of it, and nothing seemed to work, and nothing could be done, according to the doctors. Sandy already had a palsy, perhaps it was cerebral palsy, I don't know, or dystrophy, but she had like braces and uh, walked with the crutches. And it seemed from the medical field that this breakdown in Sandy was the beginning of the natural end to her life. When Dean was finished explaining and answering a few questions from me along the way, it was my turn to talk to Dean. I said to Dean, you need a second opinion. He says, I got a second opinion. Well, what did they say? The same as the first opinion, is what Dean said to me. I continued, well, I think the doctors have misdiagnosed Sandy. And then Dean asked me, what do you think is going on? Well, Dean, I think Sandy has a problem with spinal fluid pressure. This sparked an immediate comment from Dean. That's what I thought, and that's what I told them. They said, no way, nothing to do with her issue. Well, Dean, you need a third opinion. That was pretty much the end of that discussion. A few months later, I saw Dean again. We were at the square dance. He was eager to talk to me about Sandy. He proceeded to tell me he had called the Cleveland Clinic hotline. It's a couple hours from where we live. I explained the gist of the situation to the neurologist at Cleveland Clinic. The neurologist answered over the phone, I think your wife has a problem with spinal fluid pressure. I have a doctor for you to talk to at UPMC, and he should be able to help Sandy. Dean got the name and went to work on it. Sandy's spinal fluid pressure was found to be high. Her shunt that was in her head to drain spinal fluid out of her head needed to be replaced. It was replaced. Then she got an infection. Then she was back in the hospital. Then Dean flipped his phone open and said, here, have a chat. And I picked, took the phone and it was Sandy. Sandy was talking. She had cognition. I was talking to her. Her voice wasn't real strong, but she was definitely coherent and happy and hopeful. Another couple months went by, and I was at another square dance. There she was, Sandy with Dean, sitting in the barn, listening to music. Sandy and Mary Lee, my wife, were just talking up a storm, which is what they would normally do at a square dance. 
Dean and Sandy think I had a lot to do with Sandy making it through this terrible, desperate problem that had started with seizures. Bernadette also is thankful and grateful for how it all turned out. I think back about this situation like all problems and try to understand why did things turn out right and how I could have done a better job. A big part of why it turned out well is Dean's love for Sandy and that Dean was thinking. He knew his wife and, as it turned out, Dean had a good idea about spinal fluid pressure. Dean needed an advocate and a person to review Sandy's history with. Bernadette sensed that. Her love for Sandy and Dean had her looking to put me together with Dean, confident that if anyone could help them, it was me. My love for my wife and my devotion to curing her seizures had recently had me on the internet researching seizures and spinal fluid pressure. I had learned about brain sagging and the problems it causes with low spinal fluid. I'd been on forums and seen stray comments about people that didn't get the typical postural headache from low pressure, but they did get seizures when their spinal fluid pressure was low. I had also read a case of a man that had developed seizures, a young man. He had a shunt in his head from when he was a child. They replaced it, and his seizures went away, and he started having postural headaches. Eventually, the doctors learned that at a different setting of the shunt, the seizure and the headaches would be changed. Restrict drainage, raise fluid pressure, get seizures. Increase drainage, lower fluid pressure, get postural headaches. For that young man, they found a balance of very few seizures and very few headaches. This is what I had been studying when I was finally getting a chance to talk with Dean. We have always thought that whatever we learn on the journey of curing Mary would be helpful to others, whether we get a cure or not for Mary. My commitment to Mary Lee's epilepsy put me enough in the know to apply my skills and develop a coherent and valuable opinion about Sandy's condition. I found it quite interesting, as I look back, when I was giving Dean my opinion that it was a spinal fluid pressure problem with Sandy, that I did not know that she had a shunt. I just had been doing this studying and understood that there was a relationship between spinal fluid pressure and seizures. So that's the answer to Tim about why we are doing this podcast. What is the motivation to share these true experiences that we've had is that there will be 
a lot of people that will be feeling better, they will be healthier, they will be happier, and they will be holier. So things like this ordeal, Sandy really benefited. Dean, happy. Bernadette, grateful, understanding, thankful, and sharing this story with other people. The doctor that addressed the situation feels like he saved a person's life. The hotline doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, he knew the people that could help Sandy. And Don, that's me, Grandpa Hill. I am just blown away. I'm blessed. I'm honored to be part of Sandy getting better, to be part of all the people that were praying for Sandy, to make my input and have it turn out so good. Just blessed. Joyful. It's hard to say exactly how I feel. Thankful that I could help and that I was prepared to be able to help. I wished I'd helped sooner and faster with no hesitation. So those people were all helped by this situation. Then there were also all the families of those people, all the acquaintances of those people that were directly involved with this experience. And then anyone they share the story with. And now with the podcast, there are all the listeners that can benefit from listening and acting for themselves or sharing this story, sharing the podcast with another, or sharing their own story that they get motivated to help other people. You see, the point of the stories and the sharing is to share and care about each other. I encourage everyone, everyone, to act effectively to improve your health and the health of those you know and laugh a lot and live abundantly until the next Grandpa Hill's true health story. Shalom.